Hey, you're here with Dr. Dodi, and this is season five of Anxiety, I'm So Done With You. This podcast is a teen and young adult guide to ditching toxic stress and hardwiring your brain for happiness. If you're new here, grab a copy of my book, Anxiety, I'm So Done With You, because this series is going section by section through it, going a little bit deeper, giving more examples, and telling more stories. This season follows chapter five, self-care is the new health care. The promise of this book is to hardwire your brain for happiness. This season, I deliver on that promise. We focus on seven essential happiness generating habits, contacts, activities, and practices for you to incorporate into your life to stay healthy, positive, and resilient to whatever life throws your way. There's a myth at play if you've been feeling bad for a long time. You might think that happy people are lucky and that you are not, that you are different. While context matters to your physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health, your context is only partially determined by privilege, genetic expression, and random luck. The rest is determined by you. In this season, I show you how to harness that you percent decolonize your self-care and let your highest potential shine through all of the guck in your life. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving me five stars on Apple Podcasts. Also, come hang out with me on YouTube and TikTok at Dr. Jody, where I give you practical tips for your brain, body, and spirit. Please spread the word about this book and series because mental health problems are skyrocketing and I need you to help me turn the tide. Hey, it's Dr. Jody here. Welcome to episode two of season five. We're talking about prioritizing, energizing surroundings. So we're talking about your physical space. What you have around you in your physical space reflects what is in your mind. So what is in your mind is reflected around you. A lot of times people who have a very cluttered mind have a very cluttered physical surrounding, their home or their room or their bag or whatever it is. It is a reflection of our mind. So it works both ways. Sometimes a cluttered house creates that cluttered mind. And sometimes that cluttered mind creates that cluttered room. And the way it does that is that when you have so much clutter, it's hard to get organized. It's hard to feel safe. And so you attach to things and pull things in and keep things and can't get rid of them. So that's that relationship. If you try to relax your mind, automatically you start letting go of things in your physical space. And if you clear your physical space, it has the same kind of effect of helping your mind clear as well. And so we're going to focus a little bit in this episode on ways to clear your clutter in your physical space, because that's going to make a huge difference to your emotional wellness. How many people have spent a lot of energy thinking about or trying to clear their clutter? You may have heard somewhere that clearing clutter helps, or you may look around and be like, ah, this is overwhelming. I want to get rid of stuff. You know, everything that we have, every physical item that we have in our home or in a room or in our bag or on our person has an energy attachment to it. So it 
takes up a little bit of energy space in our system, in our energy system of our body. And I didn't say of our body at first because it's kind of beyond the body, like it's the mind. It's about our energetic bandwidth. And so all of these little things that you have, even those scraps of old receipts that are crumpled and you can't even read them because they're faded so much, every single thing takes up some of your energy bandwidth. We don't want to do that anymore. You know, that that is that is a waste of your energy that you could be putting towards something that you want to put it towards. And this isn't woo-woo, this is real science. They did some studies in California, which I link to in my book or I refer to in my book so you could get the source if you want it, that the more cluttered a house is, the more cortisol the family has, the family who lives in the house, even the children. But as you might suspect, the female head of the household has the most cortisol when a house is cluttered. So the more clutter, the more cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. We don't want more cortisol when we don't need it. We want it when we need it, right? We want cortisol when we need to protect ourselves or save ourselves in a dangerous situation. We don't want it because there's clutter around. There's been a phenomenon with the Netflix series, Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo is a feng shui expert who did a Netflix series and she goes into people's homes and helps them clear their clutter. And she's just a really beautiful human being. If you watch any of her shows, you really feel that just gorgeous energy about her because she's grateful for everything. She's grateful for everything and it and it comes out in her personality. And so she encourages the families that she's working with when they're getting rid of stuff, they think that object. So say it's some t-shirts, they were trying to get go through their clothes and get rid of old clothes. Every single item that they decide to get rid of, they thank it for participating in their life. So there's like a, a closure that happens with, with each thing as that detachment of energy comes. It's so beautiful. You have to watch it when you're deciding what to keep, what to give away, what to get rid of. She has you hold each object and feel if it's life-giving to you or if it feels like it's zapping your energy and taking away from you. I think this is really interesting because we're all naturally intuitive. We all can read our energy and read the energy of people around us. Some of us are more sensitive to others and you could actually build that skill. I teach people intuition. I have some adult and teen intuition training classes on my website. So you could check that out in the blog that goes with this episode. But she has you feel it. So you're building your skills and your sensitivity in ways that could help you. A lot of us are sensitive in ways that are hard, right? We feel other people's negative energy and it, it stresses us out and we have to figure out how to block that. I also teach people how to block that. If you've been following the series, I probably have already explained that, but I'll put links in the blog post that goes with this episode. Every episode has a blog post with extra resources that I talk about or anything that would help you on this healing journey. I'm here for you. Anyway, so you hold the object and you feel, do I want to keep this or do I not want to keep this? Does this give me energy or does this zap energy from me? 
So that's the that's the question. So I invite you to do that with everything around you. And sometimes stuff is nice and you really want it, but it zaps your energy. Give it to somebody else that it might uplift. And listen, if people give you gifts, this is the myth, really. If people give you gifts, often you think you have to keep that because somebody gave it to you. And some things are special and they're, they work for you and they feel really good for you. But sometimes people are missing what would work for you. And they give a gift. They're not great gift givers. They have great intentions and they might be beautiful people. And they may, you know, really be thoughtful about the gifts that they give you, but it's a miss. It's not something that you would want to keep. It is not your responsibility to keep something that somebody gave you. Maybe you could keep it for a while or do something else with it or or figure something out, but you don't have to keep stuff that drains your energy just because someone gave it to you. So keep that in mind. There's always someone else that might like that, that object or that uh, special thing. In an old blog post, I delineate eight tips to clearing clutter that I've used to keep my house uncluttered for about 20 years. And I'm telling you, they work. And it is a funny day to be recording this episode because many of you know my dad just passed away and we've been cleaning out his apartment and we finally cleaned the whole apartment. But a lot of the stuff that still has to, we still have to go through, like we did all the big stuff and we left the little stuff to the end so that we could just gradually get rid of some things or go through them or or find things that are important to us that we want to keep. And so right now my office (laughs) is cluttered, but it's unusual for me. Usually I keep my house pretty uncluttered and these are my eight secrets to doing so. The first one is touch things once. So when mail comes in, don't stick it in a pile. A lot of you are young and teenagers and you're like, would I never get anything in the mail? So you don't have to worry about it. But if you are an adult listening to this, or if you're a teenager and an emerging adult, you are starting to get mail because you are participating in all of these things and you end up getting mail. Touch it once, open it, put the envelope in the recycling, do what you need to do to it. So if you have to pay a bill or if you have to answer somebody, do it right away. This keeps that stack down. When you have a stack of mail bigger and bigger and bigger, it gets overwhelming. We're just talking about mail as an example here, but it could be anything. Anything you bring in when you come in the house, whatever you have in your bag, touch things once in your bag, put them where they're supposed to go, have a place for everything and put things where they go. I always have on the top of my stairs, things that have to go downstairs. In the bottom of my stairs, things that have to go upstairs. So when I go, I always bring stuff. And that gets us to number two. Number two is two hands in, two hands out. I learned this because my brother-in-law worked for a restaurant. And that was the rule in the restaurant. Anyone who went into the kitchen had to have two hands full of empty dishes. Anyone who came out of the kitchen had to have two hands full of dishes to serve to their customers. And so two hands in, two hands out. When I go up the stairs, I bring something up. When I go down, I bring something down. If I go to this side of the house, I bring something. That side, I bring something. One little thing at a time adds up. So I don't have to set time aside to clean the whole house. I'm constantly, as I'm doing other things, bringing things where they belong while I'm going to that 
corner of the house. Two hands in, two hands out. Number three, do your dishes as you go along. You can think of this metaphorically or you could think of this literally. Do your actual dishes as you go along instead of saving them for days or saving them for a whole day. It's so much harder. It's so much harder to get your mind around starting that task when you've left it. And it's so much at that point. But this could also be a metaphor for other things, other things of clutter. So you could go back to one and two. Touch stuff once, do it right away. When you bring stuff in, when you come in and you bring all these bags in, empty them, put things where they have to go and complete that. Before you start doing anything else, it'll feel so much better. But if you leave a whole pile of stuff at the door and go in and get a snack and do whatever, later on, it's just gonna be overwhelming. And if you just do a little bit at a time, it makes a huge difference. So do your dishes as you go along. So I'll remind you, one, touch things once. Two, two hands in, two hands out. Three, do your dishes as you go along. Those kind of go together. Number four is complete projects. You want to complete projects that you've started because when you start a project, it leaves an open window. It's like a tab open on your computer. And the more tabs that are open or the more apps that are open, the slower the system runs. And so the more open circles you have in your mind, the slower you run, right? You're going to run inefficiently. It's going to take a lot of your bandwidth because you're attached to all these open circles. You want to close some circles, get them off your plate so that you have more energy for the things that you want to do. Some of those projects you want to do, and when you complete them, you feel really good about them. Then you can celebrate yourself. This actually really raises your self-esteem. So it's a good, good idea to do complete circles, complete projects. Number five, deliver right away. Say you have something of your friends or something like that, like they left something at your house and you want to give it back to them, give it to them quickly. Or if you pack a bag to donate, donate it right away. Don't leave it around for a while till you get more stuff to donate because there's these bins or these like dumpsters where you could put clothes in different church parking lots. Doesn't matter if once a month you take a bag to one of these places. You don't have to wait six months to get five bags and then go. You could just take one bag because if you do that, it'll give you the energy for the next task. The more you do and the more you see that you've done, I don't mean the more you do, like do, 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 do. I'm not about like overworking or anything. But when you accomplish something that you've set off to accomplish, it gives you the energy for the next task. When you notice that, when you think about yourself as someone who accomplishes things, it's invigorating. And so you really want to do that. Number six, let go of perfection. Don't do everything. When it comes to clutter, don't do everything. You're going to put that off and put that off until you have all the time in the world to be perfect. Perfect isn't real. Perfectionism hurts you more than anything else. You don't want to do everything. You don't want your room to be perfect. You want to do one thing. You just want to do something. Two hands in, two hands out. Bring one thing, the next thing later. If you leave your room to go into the kitchen to get a snack, bring those empty plates from yesterday or from earlier this morning. Don't leave your room to go into the kitchen and not bring stuff from your room that goes into the kitchen. Just do one thing. Your room's not going to be perfect. If you have this habit of always bringing stuff with you when you go, it never really gets overwhelmingly cluttered. 
And the times you decide that you're going to clean your room, it is so much easier. Don't try to do everything. Let go of perfectionism. It does not serve you. Number seven is limit the use of coupons. I started to notice that my clients who were highly cluttered, who had a lot of stuff, were often people who collected coupons. And when you collect coupons, quite often you're buying things because you think it's such a deal that you don't need. Actually thinking that you're saving money, but you're actually spending money that you didn't need to spend. If I end up getting a deal on something I happen to already want to buy, that's great. But if I was thinking about or really attached to coupons, I think I would spend so much more money on things that I didn't need that just cluttered up my house and I had to deal with again later. So limit the use of coupons. Coupons are a marketing tactic. The stores are winning. You are not winning. They're getting you into the store. You're buying more stuff that you don't need. And so limit the use of coupons. If you're trying to clear your clutter, clear coupons. Coupons used to be paper, y'all. Now they're all electronic on your phone. And that's great. It's great if you catch it and you wanted the thing and you catch a discount, perfect. Don't fall for buying stuff that you don't need. Number eight, make recycling easy. A lot of things can be recycled that we don't recycle and we throw out in our garbage. But if you made it easy for yourself, then it would be easy to do. So we have a paper bag in our closet that takes all the paper and cardboard recycling. That way we don't have to walk all the way out to our recycle bins with every little piece of paper nor do we have to have these huge, dirty recycle bins in our kitchen. We just took it in that bag. It's easy, it's accessible, it's right there for us. We also have a plastic bag in same cupboard that we put all the plastic bag recycling. In my city, we can't put that in our recycling bins. We have to take it to a retail store to drop it in that box outside the store that says plastic bag recycling. It's worth it to me because I feel like something is happening with that instead of it just going in a landfill. So I collect it in the bag and once a month, I take it to the store when I'm going to the store anyway. It's not a lot of work because we have a system in place. If you had the system in place, you had a bag here, bag there that you had to put things in, it would help. And the other recycling, the cans and the bottles and all that kind of stuff, Have a system for that too, so you don't have to cross the house with every can or leave a big pile of cans in your kitchen. So you want to have a recycling system. So those are the eight ways that I outline to clear clutter and keep it clear in the house. The next thing I want to talk about in this episode is colors. I am not an expert on on colors, but colors are frequencies, literally. And we know that frequencies are energy. So some frequencies are healing or harmonizing frequencies, and some frequencies are upsetting frequencies like a loud, awful noise. Everyone cringes when you hear that. But if it's some beautiful melody, it calms our body. It it affects us physically. So frequencies affect us physically. Everything's a frequency. We could feel it, our heartbeat, our very heartbeat, right? Everything that goes on in our body and every object in the world has a frequency. Like bananas have a frequency and colors have a frequency and apples have a frequency. Some are negative, like smoking has a frequency, but it's damaging to your body. Colors are frequency too. 
there's a whole science of colors and I am not an expert, like I just said. So look this up online, but some colors are coming. So they suggest in different office buildings and such, you put different colors in and different colors have an effect that you want. So bright colors may be cheerful. Calming colors will calm somebody down. Red might be either evoke passion or some intense emotions. So colors do a lot. Think about that when you're deciding what you want to wear, when you're deciding what bedspread you want or what color your room's going to be, or even like your bag, anything that has color could affect you. And it's a way of expression. Obviously, you, you all know that too. It's a way we express our gender, our personality. Color does a lot. So when you have a room full of colors that go together, that align or that are bright or calming, that makes a huge difference. So you want to think about color, look up color, uh, have a lot of fun with thinking about how color affects your mental health because it does, or your physical health. Let's use all the resources we possibly can. If we're making choices on color, why not make a choice that makes a huge difference? to you. And it might be different for different people. I do have red in my house. I love red, uh, little spots of red, different places. But when I was first married, we had a red bedroom. Our whole bedroom was bright red. It was really funky. All right. So when people come in my house, my house is pretty balanced. It's decluttered. When people come in my house, they often speak of a physical and emotional response to the atmosphere in there and the energy in the house. And I think a lot of it is because things don't block each other. There's a a way the energy is moving in the room. One of the things I do is I move things around. So this is number three. I often move things around. We used to tease my mom when we were little that she was a rearrangeaholic because so often she liked to rearrange the furniture to see if she could make the room look a little bit better. So I grew up with that feeling and sense of, hmm, what else could you do here? That problem solving or that fun or the aesthetic interest of how we could create a space that was more inviting or more comfortable. She would do this all the time. And so I got this from her. I move around, not always the big furniture, sometimes once in a while, but mostly the little knickknacks that are displayed at different places. I like to call it tablescapes or counter a cabinet. I have things decorated in a way that it looks very intentional and I call it tablescapes. Even the beds have like a bedscape, right? The way you do the pillows on the bed to make it look all balanced and pretty or a tablescape. So what you put on the coffee table to make it look really pretty or balanced or featured something that um, some symbolic or spiritual thing that I really like to center in the room. I move that around. Depends on the season or it depends on what we're highlighting. So if somebody in the family won an award at school or something, I might display it. If there's a holiday, obviously that's going to affect the decor but I move things around and I do have some altars around my house. I have some, I'll put some resources in this blog post as well about how to create an altar for yourself. But basically everything, your whole house is an altar. 
to good energy or happiness or things that bring you joy. Think about that. The jewelry that you wear, or the clothes that you wear, your body's a temple. So why wouldn't your jewelry in that be like an altar to your highest self and how you want to express yourself? And your house is the same way and your room is the same way and your bag is the same way. I say that because our bag, man, it could get really cluttered. It could get very, very cluttered. And it's a good idea to always be cleaning out because that's kind of an altar to your tasks, what your intentions are at school or at a job or or whatever you're doing. Think about everything as an altar to this life to what's important to you, the people, like little photographs or or the the items. Like if you like elephants, and elephants symbolize divine love. Where are the elephants around in your house? And what does that mean to you? You can move things around according to the season or to what you're highlighting or what you're, what's important to you in the moment. So maybe you are starting a new relationship. So you want symbols of love around you. Put little birds in pairs around or or little hearts or something. You could think about the season of the year, but also more than that. Think about what kind of season it is in your life. For example, my husband just retired and we have the goodbye cards from his team hanging on our fridge, an award that he just received on a shelf in the dining room. Or when my daughter graduated from high school, we had little mementos from her time during school displayed at different places around the house, that kind of a thing. We're almost done with this episode, but the last thing that I wanted to mention is nature. You know, when you're thinking about energizing surroundings, you want to make sure that you spend some time in nature. If you are in a city and you can't be outside, take some rocks, little rocks inside your house or make sure you have plants because plants bring that nature inside. It helps you connect. And you could breathe near the plant. You could talk to the plant and those kind of things. I have rocks under my desk that I could put my feet on, but I also spend a lot of time outside. If you're in an urban area, find some green space. There's usually some green space somewhere in an urban metropolis, and hopefully you have something near you, even if it's a little tree. When I spend some time in a city, that's where I make my offerings gratitude offerings in the morning or around an intention. I'll put a little bit of water or a little bit of food or flower or a little bit of fruit or something out near the tree as an offering to the earth. And that keeps my relationship. So everything I do, I would like to have that blessing overflow onto the earth and my community and my family and that kind of stuff. So it's like an offering to help me feel connected and in gratitude all of the time with my surroundings. But if you took a walk in the woods and you just looked and smelled and felt, it's it's altering, it's energetically altering for that day, but over time sustainable. Because if you often take walks like that, you know that that's a touchstone for you. And even if you close your eyes, you could feel yourself in there. But it's so profoundly healing. They've done a lot of studies about about being out in nature and the effects that that has. So make sure you find some time outside if you can. I love looking at plants. There's so many different kinds. When I'm walking, even if it's like a, a neighborhood or something, I'm always looking at what people have and how they display plants outside. I'm fascinated. And if I travel, 
the plants are so different than they are at my house. I, I'm just, wow, there's just so many textures, so many different sizes, so many different colors. I, even just the green is different colors. Take this as your invitation to relook at plants and see if they fascinate you when you look closer, just like they fascinate me. Because aesthetic beauty heals. Beauty is relative, so it depends on your taste and your preferences. But if you're pleased, you heal. I'm going to add to that invitation because I want you to take a look at your surroundings. I want you to take a look at what you think is beautiful. Yes, you could look at plants and see if you fall in love with them like I do. But take a look all around your surroundings and see what it is you do like. What does give you pleasure? What makes you say, wow, that is beautiful. If you're sitting and looking at water or if you're sitting and looking at a sunset or the sky is really beautiful, you are profoundly altered by that in positive ways. It doesn't feel profound all the time. Sometimes it feels really subtle. But if you often see a sunset, you realize that the world is bigger than you. Your small problem seems a little bit smaller and you might feel a little bit better and you might have a glimmer of hope. Beauty brings us hope. It makes us feel worthy. It's interesting. It, you know, there's so many things that are outside of us that we feel reflects our worth as a person. If you're looking at a sunset, you're like, how do I get so lucky to look at this beautiful thing? It, it's it could be unconscious. Sometimes it's really conscious and we're thinking of it like that and it fills us up. And sometimes it's unconscious or subconscious, but it's still, we have the benefits of feeling that worthiness when we see something beautiful. So I offer that to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode when we're talking about energizing surroundings. I'm so glad that you're here with me and this podcast, Anxiety. I'm so done with you. Are you done with your anxiety? I hope you're feeling good now that we're bringing some happiness habits into your life. In this episode, we talked about clearing your clutter. We talked about colors, moving things around and enjoying nature. Get ready for episode three, prioritizing movement movement. I got a lot for you there. I cannot wait to see you. In the meantime, subscribe to my channel, leave me a comment, leave me five stars in Apple Podcasts. And of course, as always, come on and hang out with me on YouTube and TikTok. Remember, there's a blog post that goes with this episode with more resources for you. You can find that at jodyamacom slash five hyphen two. I'm looking forward to seeing you on episode three about prioritizing movement. Read that section and I'll see you there.